Hello, and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm senior reporter for Dose Al Farouk, also known as Danny, and today I'm joined by executive editor Sean Schmidt and senior reporter Elizabeth Orr. Elizabeth, we're going to chat with you in a few moments about reporting you did for MedTechInsight.com on the False Claims Act. But first, let's check in with you, Sean, on a recent piece you wrote that gives quality and regulatory professionals a heads up on topics they'll likely face this year. Tell us about that. Yes. Thanks, Danny. There are probably a million and one things quality assurance and regulatory affairs professionals should keep a sharp eye on in the medtech space in 2021. But to keep things simple, we've pared that list down to four hot-button quality and regulatory topics. For this look-ahead piece, I spoke with Josh Levin. He's Director of Quality Assurance and Regulatory Affairs at device company Acel, and Eric Henry who's Senior Quality and Regulatory Compliance Advisor at the law firm King & Spalding. Okay, so what's first on the list? Well, that would be what Eric Henry calls hybrid FDA regulatory assessments. It's now roughly a year into the COVID-19 pandemic, and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration still doesn't have an approach nailed down for virtually inspecting device manufacturers, although it's working on it. The agency is trying out different tools, including records requests and the use of video. But Henry says the wave of the future will likely be a hybrid of on-site and remote regulatory assessments. But he doesn't foresee FDA investigators going on site until perhaps maybe the end of the year. And he said that once the FDA charts the best path forward for conducting remote inspections, companies can expect an increase in enforcement to follow in the form of more FDA 483 inspectional observation forms and warning letters that aren't related to COVID. Yeah, it is surprising that FDA is still working out its remote approach to inspections. Hopefully that gets sorted out soon. So what's second on the list? Well, ACEL's Josh Levin says manufacturers submitting products to the FDA for approval shouldn't be surprised if they encounter agency reviewers that are wet behind the ears. The FDA was busy in 2020 expanding its review team in response to the pandemic and the many related products that hit the market via emergency use authorization. Because of this, Levin urges companies to be patient and engage in respectful dialogue with FDA's new reviewers. And he would know Levin worked in FDA's Office of In Vitro Diagnostics and Radiological Health from 2009 to 2017 first as a reviewer and then as a post-market team lead. He says it takes roughly a year before a new reviewer feels comfortable in the role. Those are interesting points he makes. Did Levin highlight another topic for quality assurance and regulatory affairs professionals to watch? Yeah, he pointed out that when it comes to laboratory-developed tests, or LDTs, there's a good chance there will be continued uncertainty this year around who will regulate them. Levin believes FDA likely still wants to regulate LDTs, But he's not sure if the agency has the bandwidth to do that, given its strong focus on the pandemic. Anyone keeping track of this issue knows that in August, the Department of Health and Human Services, which oversees the FDA, wrested LDT oversight away from the agency, a controversial policy move that Levin says will likely be reversed by the Biden administration. But the rub here is that, given all the other things on the new HHS administration's plate, Regulation of LDTs might not be an issue that's solved quickly. Now, Levin is also keeping an eye on the VALID Act, but that's languishing in Congress. 
The Valid Act focuses on proposed FDA requirements for pre-market review, priority review, pre-certification, third-party review, and post-market surveillance of diagnostics. The Act was drafted by lawmakers in late 2018, but time ran out that year before they could give the proposed law its full attention. It was reintroduced in the Senate in March 2020, but the 116th Congress also failed to take it up. It's unclear whether the current 117th Congress will see the Valid Act as a priority. Only time will tell. Interesting stuff, and definitely an issue to watch this year. Okay, so you said there were four hotspots, and you've covered three. What's the fourth? That would be the imminent release of the FDA's retooled quality system regulation, which should probably come as no surprise to listeners. The agency has been harmonizing its QSR with International Quality System Standard ISO 13485 for nearly three years now. While the FDA has promised it will release a draft of the new rule this month, King & Spalding's Eric Henry isn't optimistic that'll happen. After all, the agency has blown past several internal deadlines for getting the draft rule out. And why isn't he optimistic that the draft will be out this month? Well, Henry pointed to a rule freeze that President Biden put in place last month that paused so-called midnight regulations that were pushed through in the waning days of the Trump administration. Because government agencies will be busy reviewing these midnight rules through mid-March, Henry is doubtful that there will be time to put forward such a huge piece of draft regulation like the new QSR by February 28th. Instead, he expects the draft quality system regulation to come sometime after the first quarter of the year. Now, there's more detail on this topic in my story online now at medtechinsight.com, including why Henry says there's little that device makers can do to prepare for the forthcoming quality system rule. Yes, I urge listeners to hop online and check out your reporting. It's interesting stuff, and they are things that any professional in this area should know going into this new year. Thanks again for that report, Sean. Let's switch gears a bit here. Elizabeth, you wrote about a recent report from the law firm Gibson Dunn that shows that while the pandemic slowed down a lot of things in 2020, efforts to root out the submission of fraudulent claims to government program wasn't one of them. Please unpack this report for us. Thanks, Danny. Uh, But yeah, 2020 was actually the most active year on record with the government and individual whistleblowers bringing a total of 922 new claims under the False Claims Act, or FCA. And Gibson Dunn expects the surge to continue into 2021 and beyond because of all the COVID-19 stimulus money floating around. The law firm said that, quote, anytime the government spends money, FCA cases follow. Much of the growth in cases came from government sources, the law firm said. In an average recent year, whistleblowers have brought roughly 600 new FCA cases, while the government filed an additional 135. But 2020 saw the government filing 250 cases. And while part of the growth was COVID-19 related, the attorneys cautioned that not all of it was. That seems like a lot. What about government recoveries? Did those follow the same trend? Surprisingly, no. While new cases were up, recoveries were down considerably, dropping to $2.2 billion in fiscal 2020, the lowest level in 12 years. But there's a big caveat. Attorneys expect the number to climb back up this year, both because of COVID-19 cases now in the pipeline and because some large settlements came after the end of the fiscal year. In total, healthcare fraud cases accounted for 83% of False Claims Act recoveries in 2020, which was on a par with recent years. The report outlines seven device and diagnostics-related FCA suits in the second half of 2020, which generated more than $117 million in recoveries. 
Okay, so were there any other important events this year that might hint at the FCA direction for the near future? Of course, COVID-19 enforcement will remain a major issue. And while there weren't any major federal laws passed, the courts kept busy. A key issue to watch continues to be the ongoing repercussions of the 2016 Escobar decision, in which the Supreme Court directed courts to consider whether plaintiffs had enough evidence to prove the fraudulent behavior being alleged affected the government's decision to pay a claim. We're seeing a circuit split develop on that, where courts in different parts of the country seem to be interpreting the directive in slightly different ways. And with the new Biden administration, we'll also be watching to see whether some directives put into place under the Trump administration remain in effect. A key one is what's called the Granston Memo, which directed federal prosecutors to take a more muscular approach to dismissing whistleblower cases that didn't seem to meet government standards. The Trump Justice Department used that authority quite liberally, but it remains to be seen whether it will remain commonplace under Biden. There's definitely plenty there to keep an eye on. Thanks for that report, Elizabeth. Listeners, you can check out these stories from Elizabeth and Sean online now at medtechinsight.com. And for all the latest medtech news and analysis, you can follow us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. For now, thanks for listening.